I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. When long-term mates Nick Merkovich and Alex Tomic decided to launch their own business, they had a fairly solid understanding of consumer behavior and market trends. As the story goes, they invested $20,000 of their own money into a teeth whitening company, High Smile, which is now worth over $200 million, and they continue to be self-funded. Unbelievable. These guys are only 26 and 27, but they've moved quickly through the ranks, propelled by major influencer, including the 17-year-old Kylie Jenner, Kendall Jenner and Conor McGregor. They've created product awareness through influencer marketing and remains to be hugely effective. By the end of this year, influencer marketing is expected to be worth $13.8 billion globally. And the good news is that you don't have to get Kylie Jenner to endorse your products. These days, micro-influencers, so people with a following of 15,000 or even less sometimes, have better engagement rates than the superstars of social media. The pattern is the same across Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. It's on TikTok, though, that you're going to notice the most significant difference. Micro-influencers receive a whopping 18% engagement on TikTok compared to 5% for mega-influencers. Influencer marketing is where you attract high-quality customers and authentic brand awareness. So to give you a sense of how this is all possible, learn from High Smile about where you can begin. So let's get into it. Nick Merkovich and Alex Tomic. Hey guys, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Where are you now? We're on the Gold Coast at our um, headquarters here. So we're located in Burley Heads. Uh, you're in Burley. So I heard I heard my producer saying to you, um, thanks very much for arranging the uh, difference in time because you know you guys are an hour behind us. And uh, I heard her say, uh, what time did you get up? So what time did you get up? So we're usually up at 4.30 in the office five train for about an hour and then we're we're getting stuck into work so yeah we're, we're pretty lucky with this facility it's a it's a big facility here on the gold coast we've got a gym here we've got a cafe um so we pretty much can spend most wake hours here so you're in lockdown all the time sort of thing <laughs> pretty much <laughs> with it. nothing's changed yeah pretty much yeah yeah nothing's changed so uh that, that's cool so your early rises and you get that shit out of the way so you can get your yeah. day done and does training energize you oh yeah 100 percent. um definitely gets you ready for the day definitely prefer it in the mornings if anything gets you in the right mindset i guess so if you don't train what, what happens i think you just start on a flat foot and, and you start 
it's just not as positive. I think we've got a really good team here. So it's not just a solo session. We're always doing something together, whether it's a run, a gym session, um, playing some sort of game. We've, we're always doing something as a crew, um, which just gets you in the, the right headspace because otherwise you're just jumping headfirst into, into work and solving problems. But if you can start with a little different challenge um, to free your mind and almost just have a bit of, re- of a release, um, it's always made a massive difference in our day. Everyone's always interested in, um, I am anyway, in the routines of others, um, particularly if they're successful. Um, I'm also interested in the routines of others who are unsuccessful too because that's a thing maybe to avoid. You guys are successful. Once you finish your training, what do you do for breakfast? Like what's your deal? So we've got a little cafe here um, and generally for me I get oats. Yeah, I'm pretty standard, just the same uh, bacon, eggs, avocado and I'm – I seem to always do the same thing every day. Nothing really changes the pattern too much. And what about you, Nick? I've, I've been consistent lately. I've, I've just been consistent on the oats. Uh, light, light on the stomach gets me started in the day and, and it works really well for me. So tend to eat probably around 6.45 or say 7 a.m. while we're working and then, and then yeah, continue to work throughout the day. And a caffeination, um, what, what's the deal with that? I'm, I'm definitely addicted to coffee. <laughs> I won't deny yeah, yeah. Me, it's just it's more just a nice taste. I'll have it uh, a couple of times a week, just as a little treat, but definitely not addicted. So, in terms of your training routine, did you would you train every day, every day at work, or every day? Probably one day a week off. So either Saturday or Sunday, depending how we're feeling. But with training, it's such it, it just changes depending on what everyone's interested to do. Sometimes we split out in groups. We'll either go for a swim, a run. We'll, we'll go to the beach and potentially do some beach sprints. Um, we'll do a gym session, cardio session, weight. So it, it just, it alters every single, every single day. And I think that's what keeps us interested. I think we always need to need to be switching it up and changing up the training. Otherwise we'd get a bit, a bit bored um, by that, but there's always something that we do. Rain, hail or shine. You say we, cause is it just the two of you or like there's a whole heap of you? Uh, so it's the whole team um, here at Highsmile. We have, there's, I'd say, that do the workouts, 10 to 15 of us, um, pretty consistent with it. Um, and we all sort of just, most of the time we do it together, sometimes um, a few different things, but most of the time we're in the same area and we, we do the workout together. Is this part of your cultural build in your business? I mean, is that an important thing for a cult, from a cultural point of view and or, and or recruitment or retention, et cetera? Um, we don't really look at it necessarily for the retention. It's just something that we all get behind. We have um a team where uh, i guess we all want to stay healthy be healthy and and do those things and um i guess it's just a a great time to get get started together and um push each other early we're always doing something that challenges us uh, makes it almost impossible or a target that seems impossible from a hill sprint or a number of hill sprints that that we then do and so i think it's it's just really good to have that culture where we're all together not necessarily something we've said oh we need to do this for a better culture it's sort of just naturally progressed um as the team's gotten bigger so it's interesting there's a lot of um uh, research on the importance of hanging out with your community you know it Mm. can be your family it can be whoever um there's a lot of research on how important it is for the brain and how um it um, accelerates enhances the um production of things like dopamine and serotonin and all those sorts of things that make you feel good. If you have good levels of serotonin and, and particularly dopamine, you actually enables you to concentrate better, um, which means you should be, you know, 
theoretically more productive at the beginning of the day compared to the end of the day, which is why I'm always interested in people's habits. I'm like you, I trained early. This morning I trained at quarter to four because <laughs> my fucking dog woke me up at 3 a.m. Uh, the dog's been away for a while and uh, he goes he goes to a training camp <laughs> and they, he's, a, he's a guard dog. He's a German shepherd and you know, I get him trained up and uh, you know, just give him a little taste of biting someone on the arm. You know, and uh, <laughs> And he has to go back for refreshes. They, it's a programmatic thing. They program it to to do things on command. Anyway, he he we went away, and unfortunately, the dude that's training him is um, he's everyone in his business. He's got a great business. They got someone got fucking COVID, and they had to oh, close him down. So I couldn't get shit. him back. So anyway, he got back last night, and he was a bit like he sleeps in my bedroom, but he gets a bit. He he just was used to sleeping out there wherever. And anyway, he wake up at three, and he was. <laughs> Going around the house like creeping Jesus, you know, like uh, I can hear his footprints going up and down the timber floor. It's freaking me out. I thought he was going to do a crap somewhere. So, um, so I got up and uh, anyway, so I just took him. It was pitch black and it wasn't raining. And uh, so I thought I'd go for a run. So I went for a run with him at about quarter to four. And uh, and he hasn't been on the lead with me for about a month. So it was a bit sort of stressful, but then it, then it started bloody rain and I, I raced back home again and I went down. i got a little gym at my joint so I went down, you know, we've been in lockdown here so everyone's got some sort of gym <laughs> in the laundry or somewhere yeah. and I got a little gym at my joint and had a train and I felt unreal. Like, uh, you know, I felt really productive and I just and I thought how important these things are to me and to other people I think too. Mm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are starting our business, they're just dying to know what makes, what sort of pulls your chain, what makes you – what makes you get motivated? Because you know as well as as anybody, when you guys kicked off High Smile, you get a lot of days as just shit days. Because everyone just looks at you now and thinks, oh, wow, look how well they've done. They've killed it. Well, they forget about all the, the shit you put in before, all the, all the stuff. How important was um, your routine during those periods? Massive. And I think it, it continues to get more and more important. I think there's a lot of shit days when you start, but – it continues because the stakes get higher and when you start you're young you're naive you're you know you're sort of you're learning on the fly so you're getting some wins you're getting kicked in the guts as well but i think you've got less to lose at the start i think once you've built your business to where it's at and and you've built a team as well there's more reliance and then you've got different external factors you you mentioned covid that that's one that's affecting everyone obviously at the moment and all these other things um so i think it's always important to have a clear mind and i think that's what exercise or that's what a routine does it, it gives you the clearest mind to make the best decision and sometimes weather weather a storm because i think you're if you're in business for a long time the longer you go on the more there is i think to to lose as well and the bigger the risks are um the more you're trying to tackle too so there's there's always going to be ups and downs there's going to be great days and shit days but um yeah i think the routine keeps you centered and level-headed and lets you attack the day the best you can when you're under pressure your body produces something called cortisol it's a sort of a stress hormone that allows you to fight or flight. Um, that, that same chemical does something else to the rest of your body and that is it takes away all your rationality, it takes away your judgment, it reduces your ability to think clearly and, as I said, logically and basically just puts you in a position where you're either going to fight and you can go berserk or you can, or you can take off. So if you're in a constant mode of stress, 
you can run the risk of not making good judgments because your, your natural instinctive ability to be able to make good judgments is impaired because there's chemicals floating around mm. your system. And one of the things that exercise does, and, and also hanging out with your, your mates, your gang, your community, mm. and it sort of becomes meditative. You guys might be setting yourselves, someone might be setting an impossible, what seems like an impossible <laughs> task, but all of a sudden you concentrate on that task and you move away from that stressful moment of what the business mm. thoughts might be that's running through your brain, has been going through your brain all night, um, and put you in a, a bit of a meditative state. And then that meditative state that allows you to re readjust outside of business. And then if you can do it with your colleagues and your friends and you can have a laugh at the end of it and then a cup of coffee and a feed, to me it's like critical to being successful at business. I, I just don't think it's us guys hanging out here, having a mag about it and sort of, you know, Glad handing each other and rap, patting each other on the back, saying, Oh, yeah, how cool is it? We get up at four o'clock. <laughs> um, it's actually yeah. part of the structure of running a good business or part of the structure of being successful or equipping yourself or putting yourself in the optimized position to do all the things we're going to talk about in a second about what you've done at High Smile. You, it's all very well to have a really good plan. It's all very well to have a fucking great product. It's all great in your case. You got, you know, you got to hang out or got to some really unbelievable influences, et cetera, who talked about your product. But at the end of the day, you got to ex you guys have got to execute, mm. and everyone around you's got to execute yep. around all that stuff. It's, it's a continuum. It just got to keep going. Mm. Everybody who I know who's managed to do what you do and keeps executing the way you execute has a routine. Because as soon as I saw you, and I read about you last time, but as soon as I saw you this morning, I just got the my gut, my my feeling, my, my the sense that you give me is you're cool, chilled, but committed. Yeah. Okay, let's wheel back a little bit. You're 27s <laughs> around that period right now. When did you kick the high smile off? How many years ago? So that was coming on seven years. So um, I was 19, Alex just turned 20. So, yeah. Right, so a couple of young blokes. What were you doing before that? Um, so before that, I did six months of studying at university. I knew very, very early on that it just wasn't for me. So had that discussion with the parents, um, had, had to humble myself and say, look, this isn't for me, but it wasn't just, all right, I'm quitting and going to do something. I, I gave them my word that I'll move on to something and whatever I did, I'll do it a hundred percent. So I had that discussion with them and it was sort of at the same time when Nick came back from overseas, um, trialing for a professional team over in Scotland in England. Um, and then I, I guess all the stars aligned and it was at that time when we sort of just started discussing things and um, we were sort of on the same page with, with everything, obviously being family, friends, um, but just the way we critique things, the way we looked at certain brands, the way we sort of saw this opportunity of everything moving online and um, I guess that discussion sort of evolved and and from there, um, we sort of took took things further. Yeah, but how does that happen, Alex? Like, can you tell me about the moment? Did you just, yeah. were you just having a beer or something? Or what were you doing? I guess we were always inquisitive. The one thing that we both had and we still have today, we're so inquisitive of the way certain people do see things or the way certain products look or whatever that might be. And we both had that very sort of inquisitive nature and it was, it was really just long discussions frequently. Um, and we saw, and from those discussions, we saw that there was something very clearly happening in front of us that we both had that discussion. Let's jump into which was 
the landscape of business was moving from this traditional way to going online and this new social media um, sort of breakout was evolving from influencers to advertising. It was a completely new landscape that we saw no one was sort of utilizing or no one had really um, done properly. So from there, we obviously discussions um, started happening. We, we identified a very clear, at the same time, a lot of our friends and family were getting their teeth widened and no, it, there was a consistent theme. No one enjoyed the process. It was a very, I guess, painful and just the, the process as a whole wasn't something that people would recommend someone to do again. And we knew or instantly this, there's something here that can be done. Again, the, the thing that we were, we were young, we were naive and I guess that naivety gave us the ability to just challenge and ask the questions and push us into the the right places and get us in touch with the right people. So it started really from just us being inquisitive, being um, sort of aware and then taking that to the next step and things just evolved from there. You just said three really important things. One, you were both observing the rise of online businesses. That is a significant observation. The second thing you said is that uh, you saw the opportunity with influencers um, that we're talking about seven years ago. And the third thing you, you, you said, which like, you know, to be honest with you, until more recently, not more recently, like over the last three or four years, I mean, I didn't know anyone who got their fucking teeth whitened. I mean, you know, you watch the morning TV show and everybody had blonde hair, tan skin and really bright teeth. And I used to think, wow, but I didn't think that everyone's going and getting their teeth whitened. But there in those three things are product, a way of marketing that product through influencers and uh, finally a way of distributing that product online. Therein lies a business plan. Did you know that you had a business plan at that point? Not really. Not. We didn't know we had a business plan. We know we had an idea. Um, we had, I guess you could say there was a bit of a plan to the method to the madness, but we, we thought we had a, a reasonable idea and we, we thought we had a way to, to solve that, that problem with the product. Um, which we did. And then through the influences that kind of came organically and spotting that it was a no brainer to send that product to as many people to get feedback from. And because it was so new, the space influencer marketing, and because our, the style of our product in teeth whining in the nature of which we, how we sort of put that together, it was so unique and the product worked amazingly and people who had teeth whitening previously and used our product had amazing results without any of the sensitivity and pain they were straight away jumping online and leaving reviews sharing with their friends and family sharing on um on instagram and that sort of just started to snowball and and grow organically and that's when we started to i guess plan a little bit more um how we could take this business and this brand to the next level high smile is a fucking really good name. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like my old name, my business name, Wizard. I mean, for some reason, it was really good. I've never been able to repeat as good a name. Yeah, we sort of just looked or had a bit of a discussion to say, okay, we need to create a brand name that was very short and succinct, um, something that obviously correlated to the industry we were going into. And it was really just us looking at a range of names. We wanted something with... So obviously High Smile is a shorter name, one word, um, and it's very easy. Obviously, it makes um, sense to fit within um, the oral oral care category as well. You're very understated, Alex. You're very – both of you are <laughs> so understated. It's ridiculous. You're right. It's one word, High Smile. It's easy to remember. H-I is so simple. It's a, such a commonly used word, High, 
It is easy to spell, very easy to remember. You had strong letters in there, a bit like virgin, wizard, suffixes and prefixes and, uh, you know, high smile actually fits all the categories. It's not just a cute name. It doesn't even have to be likable. just has to be memorable. Mm. And what makes things memorable is the sound, the simplicity, the commonality, but also the novelty. What's the message that you're trying to deliver to everybody around the word? Well, for us, it was always accessibility. I think if you looked at if you looked at our sector, if you looked at teeth whitening where we entered the space, it was always um, the price points are really high. The experience wasn't pleasant, and it was always this niche group that was going to get it done. Um, for us, it was about making that accessible um, to a wider audience, a wider market. Um, and then you see that from the range of products that we're bringing out outside of teeth whitening for us, it's about making in oral care, making it accessible and making it as accessible as possible. So I think it's, it's providing that smile to everyone. To you, does accessible also mean affordable? Affordable. And the most important is simplicity to use it, because I think there's a lot of hoops to jump through when, um, when we entered the market to use yeah, at home product, um, we really simplified that. So I think that's what we look at when we develop products um, in this space. It's making sure it is accessible, it's simplistic um, and as affordable as possible. And that's why we're trying to obviously branch out and bring out different products, different ranges to make it even more and more accessible. Prior to you and people like you coming along, if we want to get whitened, our teeth whitened, um, we went to the dentist and uh, it, as you said, it was a, a, a painful experience or a punishing experience experience or a scary experience. It was probably expensive. Therefore, not many people did it. Along comes the technology, but the technology on its own is not enough. You need to make it into a, a business model for it to be sustainable for the future, for it to have that net effect of changing the way people get this, this particular thing done. But what you guys just said was very important. You had a simple product. You kept it simple. You made it accessible. You made it affordable. And you took some technology that already existed and you turned it into a business model. And I think that's a good place for us to sort of take pause and go to the break and come back because I now, because I mean, that's all very good. They're what I call necessary ingredients, but they're not sufficient for success. To be successful, you've got to execute. Mm. How the fuck did you guys <laughs> execute it? Two young blokes. I mean, where did you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you raise the money? I mean, I just want to know what you did, how you did this. So and, and how'd you market the bloody thing? And how'd you get to some of these really famous influences you got to? So let's go to the break. Let's come back and we'll talk about execution. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I'm back with Nick and Alex, and they are the co-founders of High Smile, which is a very successful teeth whitening business, amongst other things. Unbelievably committed to their business. How did you go about finding this technology that you use in High Smile? Yeah, so going back seven years, um, as we as we said, so we identified first what the problem was, um, knew very clearly what that problem was, um, and then it was a matter of just honestly rolling up the sleeves and speaking to every person we possibly could around the world from professors to manufacturers um, we knew that the common problem was this sort of main ingredient that you needed to get your teeth whitened with which was hydrogen peroxide now hydrogen peroxide is a form of bleach so it's a specific oxidant Um, but we knew that there were a range of other oxidants that could do the same job of whitening but could do it without causing the sensitivity without burning the gums. So that led us astray. We, as I mentioned, we spoke with all the leading minds and we came across this very, very unique um, ingredient of PAP, um, which is a uh, an alternative oxidant. And essentially this oxidant does exactly w- what was mentioned before. It does the amazing um, job of whitening, but it it cannot burn your gums. Um, it won't give you sensitivity. Now, that was that we thought we solved the problem. However, came the next uh, problem of okay, we have this new thing. How do you? How do we create uh, an amazing formula? As it had certain um, problems around how do you make it stable? Um, how do you reach a higher pH? Um, this was sort of the evolution of PAP from where we started to where we are today. Um, and we brought on an, an amazing team internally of R&D um, and scientists and we sort of evolved and came to reaching the target of putting this into an, a take-home product um, that was stable, that had a, maintained a neutral pH and it was the first time this had ever been done. Meanwhile, this um, ingredient has been around for a very, very, very long time or this oxidant. Um, we just saw the opportunity to bring this into teeth widening um, as that's where we saw it had the best um, benefits. So fast forward seven years, obviously now we see our R&D and our um, sort of science team at the forefront of everything we do, product development. Um, I think you you hit on its head before um, talking about it's one thing having the amazing idea um, and, and really understanding, okay, how do we now push this out? So um, identifying, okay, bringing this into the landscape of online. And I think the evolution of where you start to where you go doesn't always stay the same. So being online now, we're looking at retail play. How does that look for high small? How can we make online and retail work? Well, we're now working very closely with dentists to see the product is so amazing. How can we make this accessible for the dental professionals? I think all brands and all businesses start the same way. You focus on one thing, that being online, we're just the one very simple product that we believed in and that we thought was amazing. And that's now sort of growing and the evolution of that has been amazing. That's the growth in the last seven years of going from online. We're now um, exploring retail and we're really excited about this next journey of how this progresses. Um, obviously marketing and advertising that has evolved, um, working with some amazing, um, people on that side, really, um, understanding our product and how that looks and how that's, um, moving. But 
I think going back again to what you said, it starts with a very simple idea. You you come to something very amazing, which we came across with uh, PAP, and then how do you progress that forward? How do you how do you not just rely on that to to sort of be everything, but how do you grow from that? Well, guys, but how do the two young blokes in their twenties get to talk to you know leading academics and professors and LinkedIn and Google. You just keep beating doors down or what? Yeah, kept kept beating doors down, LinkedIn and Google. And the thing with a lot of the academics that we worked with, they had a great idea, but they didn't have a method of commercializing that idea. Um, so for us, it was about understanding different technologies that were being discovered outside of peroxide and working with the right minds and speaking to enough people to at least half educate ourselves in that. And I think you've if you're if you're in business, you have to be a little bit relentless. If you've got an end goal of where you want to get to, you have to knock on enough doors, and and eventually someone's going to answer. So we spoke to people from all over the world. You're talking Belgium, Netherlands, the UK, here locally in Australia. Um, we also looked at Thailand, um, the US, Canada. We've yeah, literally high and wide from day one. That was the first thing we did because like. Like you said, and like Alex said, it's it's great having an idea, or a rough business plan, but you gotta you gotta have a product, and you gotta have a a product that works, a product that does what it says it does, and a product with a difference. Otherwise, you're just gonna you're not building a moat around what you do, and it's gonna be easily rec- replicable, and it's gonna just have a short shelf life. And we knew from day one there was a big problem for us to solve, and and as we've evolved, as we said, we started with accessibility, and we're still trying to be more accessible. Yes, online was more accessible than than what our competitors, but now it's about looking at retail and being accessible to people who who don't shop online or people who are committed to certain retailers and being accessible in that respect, being accessible from price point as well. While our product came in at a point that was cheaper than where people were getting their teeth whitened with take-home kits from dentists or in-chair dentists, there are plenty of other supermarket brands out there and, and by no means do we want to do that. It's more about offering different solutions and different and fixing different problems that come in from price points that are potentially around $15 to $20 all the way up now to almost $1,000 with our in-office whitening that we're about to launch with exclusively with the dentists and with the professionals. So yeah, accessibility is still very, very important for us. It sounds like to me, you know, you guys spent probably a third of the last seven years just working out your product evolving the product absolutely uh, and still to this day that yep. it's not we're constantly looking to improve and not just um, our hero product but all products um, sort of where it's at today is just sort of it, that's something we're looking to progress in the next two to three years our R&D team we have the brightest minds there who are never sort of satisfied with where it's at and are constantly looking to take it a step further and I think I think it's a key to have that where you're not just happy and okay with where it's at today, but you you have so much more faith that you can improve everything, no matter how good the product is. And we know that today we still have the best product on the market and we're still the first ones um, looking to make that um, something better. And that's across all range, whether that means adding additional ranges uh, and whatnot. But something that I I heard, which really sort of um, spoke volumes to me is looking at the range and identifying, okay, how do you you create a range that has a good, better and best offering so that anyone of any likeness can afford the product and it does give them um, what they're looking for. You've obviously got your top tier products, which is now moving into dentists and we're working with dentists to offer that, which is a very super concentrated version that requires a medical professional to put it together and put it on your teeth, which will get the fastest um, results, which comes with a, with a higher price and then scaling that down and um, 
and really reaching those those different people. So I think through that good, better, best, it's the, a good, better, best offering at the same time of what that product does and what the expectation is to match the price point, to match where it is. And I think focusing on that, it definitely helps um, progressing the business. Let's talk about the cool shit. Um, let's talk about influencer marketing. What made you first think that you can um, use influencer market and marketing and then what made you think that you could get to some of the influences you actually got to and how the hell did you get to them? Yeah, so if we take it all the way back, I think we, we started off the back, off our own back. We, we saved up money, um, meaning we had limited funds. We didn't have big budgets to advertise and market the product. So we knew we had a product that had the wow factor as soon as you saw it and then as soon as you used it, you were amazed. And like you said, influencer marketing wasn't really a known thing. So people weren't paying influencers to promote their products as frequently as they are today. So our our strategy was, okay, we don't have a marketing budget. However, we've got some stock. Um, so let's put our products to use. Let's get that product in the hands of people who we believe um, had a bit of a following, had a bit of a, an audience. Let's get them to purely give us their feedback and their insight and we believe the product will do the rest. And and we get got that product out to, I think it was like, we started small, 20, 30, 40, 50, and then every day we'd send out more and more products. Um, and eventually got a couple hundred influencers out there or back then people who tried the product, loved the product and felt like they wanted to share it to their audiences organically. Um, and that was predominantly through Instagram. And what we were seeing is we we're getting orders from that. We we're getting customers come back, repeat um, purchases, those people wanted the product more and more to promote it to their audiences. And then that influencer marketing cycle for us sort of really started organically out of the, out of looking at a challenge, looking at a problem where we didn't have a, a marketing budget. However, we wanted to grow this business and, and that was our kind of strategy and our way to do it. So then when you look forward and you, you scale up forward, it was like, okay, there's awareness there. There's people with awareness. There's people who have an audience um, who can really communicate the benefits of the product. We had, we have an amazing and had back then an amazing product However, it's hard to sometimes explain the technicality behind the product and the science behind the product. Instead, it's far easier for someone to kind of relay their experience with the product and their experience with a past product that they may be used in the same space. We found that was a really simple way to communicate that rather than trying to break down the science and really, really go hard in the difference between our product and a peroxide-based whitening product. We were like, okay, if we can get people with an audience to relay just their personal experience, that will make it much easier for us to, to do that marketing job. And, and that's how we so slowly scaled up. And then you start small and then you get a little bit bigger. And when we're really ambitious and we wanted to crack a market like the US, for us, it was super important to be speaking to the biggest and the best people who had the biggest audience to then try the product and obviously relay that message. So that's when you're looking at your Kardashians and the Conor McGregor's of the world. Either you guys are sort of incredibly humble. <laughs> Or you just don't know what the fuck you've done, you know, because it's too big. As you're young and you think, well, shit, it's not that big a deal. Um, but, yeah, like you just said, oh, well, we just reached out to, you know, 100 or influence. Yeah, but, like, how did you decide who's an influencer? Maybe we'll be an influencer. Um, how did you find out where the hell you send the shit to? Um, you know, what's their address? You know, someone could send someone here to me. Why wouldn't even get to see it? Because it just gets – sort of intercepted by about a thousand people, you know, and, and I don't even get to see it. 
for us, for, for the small influence at the start, it was a lot of DMs. It was messaging a lot of people. And then as you scale up, it's, it's doing the same thing. You're going to get a lot of knockbacks, a lot of rejections. But as we started to get a bit more brand awareness in certain markets, we were able to work with bigger and bigger people. We didn't start from day one and want to work with a Kardashian or Conor McGregor or other big celebrities. We started from day one, built our brand, built some trust, built some reliability, um, and built an audience ourselves. And then slowly but surely, we started speaking to the right people. And I believe we were speaking to an influencer who was one of the Kardashians' close friends. And then from there, that's how it sort of led into the web. We got our product in their hands. And then that's where the business conversation started after they approved and, and enjoyed and liked the product. So yeah, I think in business, persistence is a is a big thing. I think you've got to be persistent. You you can't throw in the towel. I think if you throw in the towel from, from any time you get rejection, you're, <laughs> you're not going to survive even a minute. Um, let alone years. So for us, it's it's constant, persistent, big vision, big goals, um, and knowing where that North Star is because I think that's what keeps you um, persistent and keeps you hungry and keeps you going. How the hell did you get to Conor McGregor? Did you DM him or? No, for Conor, it was um, it was through through an agency. So this was this was back when Conor Conor wasn't small, but he he wasn't what Conor McGregor is today. So he didn't have the endorsement deals flying at him like he does today. Um, it was when he was sort of midway through his UFC career. We started the early conversation and that took a long time as well to get over the line because I think the big thing with these influence, a lot of people think it's it's a big, it's a, it's an easy thing. You you kind of, oh, give a bit of money and, and they're going to promote whatever whatever they want to promote. And, but it's very, very different to that. I think you have to build a relationship. They have to love and enjoy the product. So that means sending a lot of samples, a lot of products, not just to that influencer, but to people around them that they trust. Um, approving of the people behind the brand, approving of the brand, and then most importantly, approving of the product. Um, but yeah, through his through his sports agency that that directly managed him, and then long conversations. It was funny because one of the one of his closest um, at that agency is actually an Australian guy. He studied here just around the corner from where where we live, um, albeit he's living over in California now. So it was just funny because that's how we sort of connected, and I think that maybe made us closer, and that made him sort of listen and want to get the get the deal over the line and and yeah one thing led to another so that was a that was a crazy time but that was awesome i think connor did an amazing job for us to open up another market like we said a lot of influence a lot of people have audiences um that they can speak to and for us if they're able to open up different networks and open up different doors for us that gives us a lot more opportunities i guess to open up the brand to people that may not have seen the brand and again making it more accessible did you get to talk to him? Did you speak to Connor himself? You yeah, we did. We, we had a had a good chance to go over to a few of his fights, meet in person, and that was amazing. So for us, likewise, it's important to connect with with the people that we work with as well as best as we can. Obviously, COVID makes it tough, but when times are different and we could travel, we were over there. We obviously met with Kardashians, met with Connor and his team and, and all of that, which was awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, and would you say today, though, that if uh, you were kicking off High Smile that you would be able to get to the same sorts of individuals or would you rather be look, or do you think you should be looking at uh, maybe micro influencers? I think it's important to even, even look at the landscape and look at how things change. When we started the business um, cost of advertising across digital influencers was something that was new. So it was quite a light cost. You were investing predominantly, which was amazing for us in R and D and product development. And the rest was just hard work from us and getting that out there. Now you have to be a bit more resourceful and look at where the attention is and how do you get that product out there? It might mean, I think people get really romantic with 
e-com and online businesses, but it might mean sometimes you have to open doors in other ways um, and look and consider retail as a, as an option with a, with a nice partnership. I think you have to you have to look at other avenues and be really resor- resourceful uh, as, as you did anytime in starting a business. But I think romance is something that gets to a lot of people. A lot of people focus on what others are doing and want to emulate that success. They see a brand solely sold online and they think that's amazing or they see a brand doing amazing things through retail and they think that's the way to go i think you got to sit down you got to understand first and foremost what's the problem you're going to solve um and then from there you can work out how you're going to get that running and how you're going to get that going and be okay with having some small wins i think time business landscape is always going to change it's always going to evolve and adapt um i think it's important for people and individuals who are looking to get into business or are in business um to adapt with that as well I think you're right. That's a really good point you just made, Nick. I've got to be careful I don't romanticise people like you, what you've done, because it's a great story. I mean, uh, and I, I equally got to be careful I don't sort of romanticise mm. what I did in my wizard business because whilst it's a great story, it doesn't mm. mean it's repeatable. In fact, you know, I wouldn't do wizard – I couldn't do wizard the same way today as I did it back then, and you probably can't do high smile the way you did it back then. You'd have to do it sit differently. So your advice, you know <laughs> – it's quite sage advice coming from a 27-year-old, but your advice is uh, look, sit back, look at the landscape, look what's available, but most importantly, don't look at what someone else has done and sit back and say, well, I'm going to copy them and I'm going to do what these two boys just did. Adoration is uh, irrational by mm. definition and uh, you've got to be very rational with your process and what you're going to do and how you're going to build out this business. Then when it comes to the marketing piece, that's where people romanticise. Um, and oh, wouldn't it be good if I could get one of the Kardashians to you know try this whatever the hell it is these new earrings or something like that and they and they do what you do they start sending shit to them but you know these people get everything sent to them what would you say is the the way people should look at marketing of their great idea how should you look at it today I'd, I'd evaluate the landscape as we did back in the day if you master supply chain today there's a lot of brands doing that in every single space and sector that's not going to be a big enough differentiator you have to look at the landscape today where can where can you find that gap where can you be different through product through the way you market through the way you push it understanding the cost of the landscape and then that's how you'd go forward and attack it the cost of advertising on facebook today sky high compared to when we started the cost of influences sky high but there's other avenues and other resourceful ways to get out there people are rubbishing things like retail but retail's massive retail's a huge opportunity for brands so i think evaluate the landscape and don't just look at someone else's journey understand the journey you're going to go on when we come back to accessibility where we started we're actually not accessible if we're not available at dentists and we don't have an offering there like alex said the good better best um lives strong and it, it's important to provide things at different price points for different different customers what are the sorts of things that high smile is planning for now in terms of new products yeah well i think going back to it teeth widening being our primary category it's expanding that right out so we still haven't hit the point where we can speak and and have an offering for every single consumer um, we have this remarkable thing in um, pap it's a matter of how do we now bring this into so we have it now in a toothpaste how do we bring it into additional products so the toothpaste is already out so it includes the same um, pap um, ingredient um, now quite uniquely as it doesn't um, burn your gums as it doesn't cause sensitivity we can actually make it much stronger than any other 
whitening toothpaste on the market for um, its, its intended purposes. So we've solved that problem there. Again, the difficulty came um, around how do you actually formulate it into a toothpaste being so new and so novel. Um, but again, thanks to uh, our amazing R&D team um, for really sort of just taking that forward and pushing the limits of what we can do. Now looking at the mouthwash side, in two weeks, we're bringing it into a strip concept, which makes it a much more affordable product. Obviously, the, the give and take is it's not the quick 10 minutes. You're now having to do a 30-minute session with the strips, um, but you're getting um, exceptional results. And, and we've really solved some incredible problems on that side. Last week, we launched an incredible product. Um, so we looked at the market. We saw our R&D team identified that. Imagine purple shampoo. How if that was to be bought on into sort of oral care, it would have the same benefits. Now the difficulty again came, how do you utilize that technology, but for it to attach to the pores of the teeth and counterbalance the yellow tones and bring it to a white. Our team struck an amazing product, V34. We, we launched that last Wednesday. Um, it, it's already sold out in the US um, and Europe. We're, we're sold out within a week and a half in UK and Australia. So, so it counterbalances the yellow tones and uh, increases the brightness of your teeth. Same way if you have get your hair bleached, um, it goes that orangey yellow color. You then put the purple toner, purple shampoo, and it brings it to that more whitey um, color. So depending on time. We're just looking at the teeth whitening category alone. We still have beyond that so many more product concepts that can come into it. Everything from everyday um, toothpastes that we believe could very easily sit in the um, fast-paced grocery retailer. And we're, again, for us, we're not closing any doors. Um, we're, we're open to looking absolutely everywhere, thinking how can we create um, products and ranges that really can cater to all needs. We have this amazing brand that we've built in the last seven years, um, obviously centered around one focus, which is teeth widening. And we're, we've slowly been expanding that out. Um, we've previous, we've recently launched a enamel care um, booster, which essentially strengthens the enamel, um, something that has absolutely um, gone crazy in the market. So yeah, I think it's never ending. I think the thing that we've identified is creating remarkable products allows for everything else to follow. So marketing is a no-brainer if you have a if you have an amazing product, if you create or solve a problem in the market and we're just really just looking to solve as many problems as we can. That's, that's very interesting. I've been asking all the questions. Have you guys got a question for me? Yeah, I think what what are your plans? How what are your plans for the podcast now as well? Where where do you sort of plan to pivot and plan to go? Good question. Um, I often try to think. I mean, I keep interviewing all these people like you who are making millions out of your businesses, online businesses, and I keep thinking, why well, should I start to invent a product and start to push it through to my audiences, etc. And um, but I get so caught up in uh, interviewing <laughs> people like yourselves that um, I just tend to try to build the audience and um and just keep putting out good content and uh, as opposed to keep thinking about what I could sell to my uh, sell alongside my content. So my podcast is pretty much I'm just being a publisher. I'm just trying to publish good stories and uh, pay forward uh, what I learn from those good stories, like, for example, what I'm learning from you today. So, you know, my audience tends to uh, – I have another podcast called Straight Talk, which is a different podcast. It's a podcast, but it's different to Mentor because – 
It's more about um, talking, it's called straight talk because there's no bullshit. I talk straight about topics that a lot of people might not want to talk about and I've got a whole lot of cool stuff I want to do down that track. I mean, I love to go down, you know, I love to go out and talk to someone about black magic. I like to talk to someone about UFOs, you know, some cool shit, you know, and uh, so it's more, um, I guess, a a folly of my own. Um, And then in terms of the podcast, the mentor, people like you are really important. Um, You need to listen to people like yourselves and it may be that you don't you not necessarily follow them and don't be romanticized as you said earlier on by what you've done but at least know what to know what other people have done and know and maybe how to do that in a, in the current era because you know what you did is historic but there are some things that never change either um and you said we said this right at the very beginning of our podcast routine regimentation socialization um physical health and mental health community colleagues they're they're Mm. things that never change um there's no modern version of that um that you've got to keep doing that no matter what your uh business model is so that's what i'm doing in my podcast and uh and I, i guess one day i might come up with a product and start selling pushing a product through um but right now it's probably more me just enjoying myself being a publisher and trying to be real yeah you guys are killing it i mean seriously killing it and what's even more perfect about what you're doing you're living on you're doing from the gold coast that's that's really getting your act together and uh that's the most impressive part for me apart apart from your youthfulness but the most impressive part for me is you got it together thank you so much thanks Thanks for having us really appreciate it thanks for listening to the mentor audio and production is by jess morley and production assistants jonathan leondis 